Hey, what's up, everybody? And thank you for hitting the play button on the Derek Diamond Experience. And thank you to those who listen every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and DDEpodcast.com. This week, you'll be hearing my conversation with filmmaker Steve Kahn. But first, I want to tell you about a great album by my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their single Carne Asada and Twin Peaks, which is also the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can find Murder Mystery Night on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you want to follow them on social media, just find them on Facebook, search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and they're also on Instagram and Twitter, at Wranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S. You are listening to The Derek Diamond Experience. Welcome to episode 75 of the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of October 8th, 2015. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. As you heard at the top of the show, you'll be hearing my conversation with filmmaker Steve Kahn. And Steve came on my show back in April to promote his short film, Fear. Well, he is back to promote another short film that he did called The Prisoner. And you're going to get to hear about both of those in this interview. I did want to ask him about uh, how to submit a film to a film festival because he explained that fear has been making its way around the film festival circuit. So I wanted to know how you get a film to a film festival. What's the process that you go through? How hard is it to do? And we don't just talk about that. We talk about uh, production of The Prisoner, uh, what it's like to have a film that really only has one actor or actress and the challenge it might take to carry a film like that on your own, comparing it to like Castaway or I Am Legend or other movies that have the bulk of it, one actor and really their environment is what they have to play off of. And it's always fun talking with Steve about film. We're both big film nerds. I mean, we talk about Netflix shows, uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, you know, several other film-related things. I could go on all day with anyone talking about film. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Be sure to follow Steve on Twitter and Facebook. He's a really nice guy, very creative, great filmmaker, and definitely check out some of his work. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Steve Kahn. <laughs> And we're back here on the Derek Diamond Experience with my very special guest this week, a returning guest, filmmaker, Mr. Steve Kahn. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Derek. Great to be here. So how, how have things been going? Uh, we, you, know, you came on the show back in March to, uh, to promote your short film, Fear. So how has Fear been doing uh, since we last talked? Uh, you know, I, 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 it's been doing pretty well. It's, it's gotten to maybe the 15 or 20 festivals. And, um, you know, they're mostly genre festivals. They didn't, it, it, did, it did a couple big festivals, but uh, um, 
mostly the horror fans have have taken to it, which has has been great. And um, yeah, but I'm excited actually though because as Halloween approaches, we're going to release it to the net. So fantastic. Um, yeah, that's a fun thing because you know it's just so you know it's playing at at the Red Dirt Festival in Oklahoma this weekend, and you know it's a, I don't know how many people will see it, but it's just when you release it to the net, it just everyone can see it. And so I just you know I hate saying oh yeah we're playing at this festival, but only if you're in Oklahoma or you know go to Oklahoma. I mean you know how many how many people are going to do that for <laughs> for a film? <laughs> so um, but yeah, so I I you know I I I think it's it's great just to release something, and I wish I could release everything right away to the net, you know. Yeah, but I, I think with fear and being, you know, the type of film that it is and releasing it around Halloween, I, I think is is perfect. And for those who, you know, may not have listened last time or, you know, are, are new to uh, indie film, uh, what what is fear about? Well, fear is just really um, it's 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 really a story basically about how fear affects us. And so, you know, and how we create fears in our own mind and we kind of uh, spin and, 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 and twist them out of control. And so I, I just do that. I just have the film um, where my character just kind of goes crazy in, in her head. And so, you know, we, we, we see all the illusions that she creates. Yeah, and it's uh, – I don't want to give away too much, but the entire film or the majority of it takes place in – a bathroom and you know for those who you know are interested in seeing it whenever you do release it i highly recommend it because we reviewed it last time and the thing that i liked about it is that everything is so like compact like a lot of the shots are tight uh and you just you have this feeling of being you know trapped and enclosed even as a viewer like is, is that something that you wanted to convey when you yeah, made the yeah. film I think so. You just the the, claustrophe, uh, the claustrophobic feeling of of being inside your own head. You know, just you know, even I mean, it just the bathroom for some for some reasons affects me. I mean, I w- I was up late last night. I just I couldn't sleep. I was so excited about the prisoner, and we've been doing a lot of great stuff on that. But I couldn't sleep, so I go to the bathroom at two in the morning, and it just you know the fear strikes me because I'm in that bathroom that I used in in the film I shot it in my apartment. And you know, I'm in a way I'm afraid to stand up and pee because I'm afraid someone can get me from behind. <laughs> and then I'm afraid to sit down and pee because I'm afraid like something will come up from the toilet and just like grab me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, oh my god, which way do I do? I stand up or sit down? And they're both bad situations. <laughs> and so yeah, so it's just yeah, that's just how you know how I this this the film sparked in my head. That's hilarious. That, yeah, yeah. You kind of scared yourself with, with the do. film you made. <laughs> I did, I do, and I just, I've, I've done that my whole life, I guess, and I think a lot of people do that. And it's just like a very common thing and a universal thing. And but yeah, I and mean, for some reason, when you're alone in the bathroom, and for me, late at night, and you know, it's just, it's just spooky and eerie, and you don't have to. There's nothing but the darkness and the coldness of the porcelain tile can do it. You know, I mean. Now I'm going to be scared to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for planting that fear in your head. It's horrible. Oh, it's, you, oh, it's, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. You just have to pick one if you're going to stand up or sit down. And they're, I don't know. You have to take the lesser of two evils, I guess. Yeah, I think that's the way it is. <laughs> I, I, I will say, uh, you know, before we move on to, uh, I, I do want to talk about uh, festivals a little bit. But uh, one, one thing I did want to say uh, about fear is that. I don't know if it was uh, like color correction or you know effects you did, but that was probably the cleanest bathroom I think I've ever seen. 
Well, thank you. Actually, it's not so much that way. It just is a lot of color correction because I wanted the film, um, and this is the opposite of my new film, The Prisoner, which I wanted the film to start very bright and white and go very dark, kind of symbolizing, you know, how the mind spins darkly out of control. Right. And so yeah, but I wanted and and I've I've I you know I I, t- I haven't looked at the film for a while. Then I watched it again. I'm like, wow, this is really a neat shot because it's just so stark and so white and so. Yeah, but and and the, and the the starkness and the white kind of adds a coldness and a and a chilliness to it too. It does. I I totally agree with that. And something I wanted to ask you about with festivals, you said that fear has been uh, in many festivals. What what is the process that a filmmaker has to go through to get their film into a festival? You you know, it's such, it's such a funny question. It's such it's such a hard one to answer because it's a real subjective personal choice. I mean, I, you know, we've gone, gone to, gone to a bunch of festivals. Um, but I've also been, uh, we haven't been accepted to much, many more than we, than we've been accepted to. So, you know, it's such a personal choice as to, as to what a programmer is going to, going to like and what, what meets, uh, what, what, what they're programming this year, maybe, or, so you just have to, um, almost blindly submit. I mean, people say, Oh, contact, programmers and send them an email and ask them questions and i've i've done that with fear and i found that most of the time they really don't want to talk about that they really can't answer your question if you say well is my film right for your festival they say well we need to see it and and then you say well okay take a look and they say oh no you have to give us 45 dollars or 50 dollars for us to see it so that's that's the whole process and i mean a lot of times smaller festivals will give you uh, fee waivers, which is nice. So if you can kind of make a nice package, which which was able, which was which was possible with fear, because um, my car- my lead female is so pretty, and I had a lot of pretty images that that helped people um, want to see it. But um, you know, sometimes so then they'll give you a waiver. But but most of the time, it's really just kind of shooting in the blind in a way, which is is a tough thing. So when you say that some festivals that you have to pay a fee for them to even see it that's not oh, yeah, that's most. not a that's not a guarantee that it'll get in yeah that's that's well that's for all large festivals and and many many the, the majority of the small festivals and the genre festivals it's just a submission fee so you have to pay this fee and it doesn't make much sense because your my film was 11 minutes so i'm giving you around 20 but usually more like 50 bucks per festival to look at the film and evaluate it and um, so that's just to evaluate it, just to see if they if they want to select the film. And you know, it's it's in a way, it's it's not a great system because well, it's it's you know, it's a system that doesn't make sense because the submission fees um, end up supporting the festival and paying for the festival. Right. So I, and and actually, there are a few good forward-thinking uh, film festivals who will say, well, you can submit for free, but then once you're accepted, give us the fifty dollars. And that that makes a lot of sense because then yeah. film you know they're not preying on filmmakers to support their film festival you know the film festival should be able to sell tickets to support itself ideally right and and really with you know indie filmmakers some may not have a ton of money to spare so even to ask fifty dollars for something that may or may not happen I think is is kind of flawed but I do like your what you said with you know you submit the the film for free. And then if it gets accepted, then you pay it. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. That that does make a lot of sense. There's, there's a few festivals, not many, but a few do that, and they're they're terrific. 
And, uh, yeah, and I mean, and the thing too with, with filmmakers and short films especially, but even features that are, you know, that are independent, a lot of times these films don't make any money. I mean, as shorts usually never do. And so, um, to ask a filmmaker to, to do that is, you know, it's a tough thing, but we do it because, um, when you get into a biggie like Sundance or Tribeca or, uh, I mean, the, 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 the publicity is so great and that it's very, um, I mean, it's it's it makes it worth it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, moving on from uh, festivals, um, for your upcoming project you've worked on called The Prisoner, what gave you the inspiration to make The Prisoner, and what exactly is The Prisoner about? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. So, you know, I I'm a huge fan of TMZ, and I I was watching one one night and. Uh, Bruce Jenner was on, and they were surrounding him as he was going into this uh, doctor's appointment, and they knew that he was going in to get his Adam's apple shaved. So, and you know, TMZ kind of made fun of him, and I kind of made fun of him. So I'm like, what? This guy's just, you know, he just wants to, to, all the all the all the Kardashian girls are getting all this fame, and he's getting kind of getting pushed in the back of the corner. So he's, what is he doing this just to get just to get you know famous or just to get some some media interest and um. So I didn't, I, you know, I think a lot of people felt that way. And then I saw the Diane Sawyer interview with him in the summer, and um, I was just blown away. You know, I was just blown away um, by the integrity and also by the humanity of, of his story and when he told it. And so once he told that story, he even told, um, again, where he, he, he talked about um, the Adam's apple um, surgery that he went to and how TMZ surrounded him, and I remember that, and and he just remembered, he said that when he got home from that, he just wanted to kill. Well, he, when, he, when he got there, he was just, his heart just dropped because they found out about it. They found out that he was getting um, uh, his Adam's apple uh, shaved. And, and when he got home, uh, he just took out a gun and paced the hallway and wanted to kill himself. So, so I didn't even um, know that. Yeah. yeah so, I never saw the, I never saw the interview he did. It, it's an amazing interview, actually. And and um, the first, the first words that he says in that interview are the last words that I use in the prisoner. The last um, lines of dialogue. Cause I thought it was so so powerful. Wow. And yeah, so uh, that really touched me because um, you know I, I this guy who was once an American hero had again become an American hero to me, uh, in, in such a weird, peculiar way, but in a way that we all can relate to. I mean. You know, for me, I'm not gay, and I don't cross dress. Well, not always, but but uh, <laughs> but you know, I was born with cross eyes, and so um, I had an operation when I was a little kid. But I still, you know, I when I took pictures, my sometimes my eyes would be crossed. Or when I was an actor, and so when I would go to a, a casting audition, I'd be like, "Oh my God, please don't let me see my eyes crossed, please, please, please." But you know, um, when you embrace all those, those things that you're trying. And hide about yourself. You you really you really become really who you are, and you all really become stronger. So I thought that we we could all get something from that from that story that Bruce Jenner was and then Caitlyn Jenner was telling. Wow, that's uh, I, I did see when, on the poster it said inspired by Caitlyn Jenner, and I, I was I was very curious about it. But that's that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she really inspired me, and 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 I was a skeptic before. So you you gave me the opportunity to uh, to watch the prisoner, 
and I, I did enjoy it very much. And one thing I, I wanted to ask you, two, the two main things, uh, the actor you chose to to play the character, uh, Joe J. Garcia, had, had you worked with him before, or did he audition for this part, and that's he, how you met him for the first time? Yeah, you know, he, um, he's part of a group of actors and that I know, and I, I, I was in a play with him years ago, and I've just known him for, for, for a long time, too. But, um, yeah, he's just fantastic. And when I was writing this, I, I completely bought him. I wrote this for him. And I was hoping to God he would do it. And I didn't know when I was writing it because I think he was just he's just fantastic in it. Yeah, yeah, it, it was – he gave a, a very a very powerful performance. And it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Fear because it, it takes place in that small, confined area and – Really, for the majority of you know of the short film, I, I don't want to give away too much, but the majority of it is audio. You see bits and pieces of him, you know, throughout it up until the very end. But it, the audio to me really, you know, went a long way in telling the story. Is that yeah, something else that you you had in mind when you were making the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the whole metaphor of being in a closet, you know, it, you know, either what you're gay in a closet or you're cross-dresser and you're in the closet or you're, you have cross eyes and, and you're in the closet about that, you know, it's a very claustrophobic feeling because, you know, you can't tell anyone and you're alone and you're in a tight space. And so a re- a re- recently a reviewer um, said that, you know, the, the movie felt, felt claustrophobic and that's definitely something that I, that I wanted to, 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 to get across. And also, as far as, you know, the sound effects and, and not seeing everything going on in darkness, I just wanted to um, kind of relate how how we don't see what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, how we don't see everything about a person and how things are hidden and how we don't really know what's going on and how, you know, when you do finally figure everything out, everything makes sense. But before that, it just seems off and there's something wrong about the person or about the situation when things are hidden in the same way that I, I thought things were strange with, with Bruce Jenner and the, and the, and the Adam's apple shaving before that, I just hadn't, I, it was hard for me to have compassion for him because I didn't know the real story. So it just, right. he, he felt like a weird character to me. But when I found out the real story, um, my, my, my heart completely opened up. So I think that's something interesting that we can learn from that too. And I learned from that. And, you know, just the more you expose yourself, um, people will understand you and they will accept the, the craziness about you and, and you will be loved more than you than you would think you would be. And that's something I, I think that we we all tend to learn, you know, in in our own way is that, you know, being yourself and having the courage to express that, you know, it, it can go a long way and it can it can be really inspiring, really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I, I think so, and and it's just. Um, but I can understand the fear too because I've gone through that, and I've and I've wanted to hide, and so um, it's just, that's just the battle, and that's the battle my character goes through when in the prisoner. Right, and it's it's one of those things that yeah, the the fear is there, but once you once you conquer that fear, it's really kind of a an enlightening thing because it's like. I've mentioned this on past episodes of the show, but up until recently, you know, I struggled a lot, like when I was younger and even into my 20s with social anxieties. So 
doing this podcast and meeting new people has really helped conquer that. So I, I can I can understand when it comes to you know having that fear of doing something. And I've you know had people say to me, you know, you doing that inspired me to be more open to people and be more honest with people and various things like that. So it, it's a it's a pretty powerful tool. You know, that's that's great. And actually, I, I never would have guessed that um, about you because I remember the last interview I thought was so, so great. And we were so connected. And um, and this one, too. And, and, you know, it's so funny you say that, too, because I, I think I've heard that Howard Stern had that problem or felt like he could only really be himself when he was when he was on the radio. And I mean, I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. And so I think that um, if if you have that outlet, that's great. Right. And we're both film nerds. So. That definitely yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, watching The Prisoner and also, you know, watching Fear as well, both feature one actor or actress that really carry the the whole film. Is, is that something like, are you a fan of films that feature one actor? Because there are movies like Castaway, I Am Legend, where a bulk of the movie is one actor and their environment. And, and I will say I'm actually a pretty big fan of those. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy both your films so much. Uh, is, is that something oh, that, uh, is that something that appeals to you as well? Or is it just, you know, is it just well, something that it had to happen? Well, you know, kind of both. Um, I, I think it really appeals to me because honestly, even films with, with many characters are really just usually about one character, about the hero and their struggle. And, Every other character is what what people in the writing community called force characters. So they just push and pull our hero along his journey or her journey. But um, I think with short films, it's great because you you know to me they're they're short and so they're almost like poems, and you have to really strip strip them down. You have to strip out as much as you can. Um, and in doing that, you make it really powerful. But but just also just you have to do it just because they're short. So. Um, it's great that um, I really just enjoyed stripping out any any other possible characters. And I mean, I could have had some, but um, but I, yeah, I just because I I just really want to focus on my character and his hero's journey. And so I kind of trick I use a little trickery to make you think that, that maybe there's more more characters than there are, but ultimately there's just one, and uh, and it's just his journey. Is that something that? like going into it that they knew they were going to be the only character in the film. Is that something that they kind of embraced or do you think it was more of a challenge because they didn't have that other person to bounce off of and have dialogue and whatnot? Well, I'll tell you as an actor, it's, it's it's a huge challenge to do that because, you know, acting is really not acting, but reacting. And so when you have to react off of a camera or off of nothing, it's really tough. And I mean, with Joe, he's, he's a master actor. He, he, he he's a he's a director for years. He used to teach at American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and he's he's done tons and tons of theater. So he's a master. But even with him, I could tell it's it's tough because you know you're used to working off of people, off of actors, off of things. So sometimes um, when I was you know I, I was I was the only person there too. It was just us two. Um, I was behind the camera, and I I would let him work off of me, or we would rehearse the scene before before we shot, and I would be the other character. And I would, we would work off of each other just to get ready for the scene, just to make it um, doable. So yeah, it's it's a tough challenge. And for this, I mean, the prisoner was a really tough acting challenge, not an easy project. Um, the fear a little 
easier because it's more visual, more looks. But um, yeah, right. Joe, act, Joe acted his ass off. He did, yeah. And it was, like I said earlier, it was a really powerful performance. And with The Prisoner, do you have any plans to release it on the web in the future? Yeah, for sure, definitely. I mean, I, I hate not doing it, but again, um, festivals d- demand their exclusivity to not not doing that. So um, I've, uh, I've submitted to a, to a ton of big film festivals, and hopefully in about a year from now, we'll release it to the web too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And completing The Prisoner, do you have uh, any other films that you have in the works? Like, I, I know these last two you've done have been like the horror psychological drama. Are, are you going to stick in that genre, or do you think you might go a, a different route? You know, it's so funny you say that, Derek, because I, I don't even know. I mean, I, you know, I, I initially when I, when I did The Prisoner, I just thought I'm just going to release this to the, to the net right away and then get on with the next project. But then so many people have said to me, oh, you've got to go to festivals. And then I kind of got it in my head, oh, I'll go to festivals, I'll go to festivals. So now I'm kind of in the festival PR mode and which is just basically takes all, you know, all day, um, every day just to promote and, and and, and do interviews and do reviews and things and just get get the film seen. So, um, you know, I don't know. I thought, well, some people have said, you know, make it into a future project. And I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, so funny what, what, what your next what your next move is. I've kind of asked myself that question, and I don't have the answer. So it's just one of those things that you, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. I, I would love to see you do a uh, like a, a comedy I think that would be yeah. really cool. Because you're, <laughs> you're a funny guy. I think it would be great. That's so funny. Maybe. I mean, I, you know, I, I was trying – you tell me because after working on The Prisoner for four or five months, I've lost all perspective. But do you find any black comedy in that? Because when I watch it, sometimes I, I laugh at certain things. And I think it's such dark humor. Going back uh, a second time, because the, the first time was I was more mesmerized by the performance and, you know, the, and the end result – uh, of what the film was, you know, the like the very end of the of the scene and everything. But going back a second time, yeah, I, I did notice a, a little bit of of dark humor in that. Yeah, yeah, we, we we went for that, and I hope it came across. Yeah, definitely. And as far as other uh, like movies in general, uh, have you seen any? Uh, I know we talked a little bit last time about what we both think of you know, the, the big summer blockbusters and how it seems like every movie has to have a huge budget and big special effects and everything. But ha- have there been any films you've seen recently that you've enjoyed? You know, I haven't. I'm so, um, I'm so myopic when I work on a project. I'm so in, in my own world that I, I kind of shut off. I, and to be honest too, I've, I, I've been, uh, like I go, I turn to Netflix when I want to see something. So I, I've watched Narcos on Netflix, which I, which I think is, is pretty great. But as far as films, I haven't, and I, I, I don't know. I'm not crazy about the film world right now. I don't think that it's, you know, it just doesn't impress me that much. It doesn't. Whereas TV and Netflix and the things that are happening on those, on on the internet, just seem fascinating to me, and they're just great programming. Right. So, um, yeah. Have you seen Narcos? I have not. I've heard good things about it though. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's, it's Pablo Escobar, kind of a really, a uh, very true telling and where they show old clips um and it's just interesting the colombian um cocaine days of the 80s that's really cool i'll have to check that out and speaking of netflix uh, you know marvel and dc are really big in the the cinema universe now but i actually think that daredevil their netflix show is the best thing that 
they've ever put out. Like it's better than any of their movies, I think. So I, I don't I don't know how you know how familiar you are with Daredevil or any Marvel material, but it, it, it's a Netflix exclusive show. The first season's out. I, I would recommend I, it because it, it's the stories, the fight choreography, everything. It, it's a very well balanced show. Everything about it is great. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're right, and I've heard great things too. I haven't seen it, but I, I think I may watch an episode tonight because I finished. I just finished Narcos, and yeah, I mean, I, it's so. But it's so funny that you say that the Netflix show was better than the movies because um, that's such a strange thing. You, you know, usually or in the olden days, film movies were always the much better than TV. But um, yeah, I've heard this. What you're saying too, I've heard that 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 um, it is better. So, well, I think the reason why it's better is that. When a, you make a movie, you only have two hours to tell a story. With Netflix, you have each episode is roughly an hour long. You basically have 13 hours to develop your characters, tell your story. You get more immersed in these characters. You care about them. There's a long, extending story. You you feel like you can relate to these characters, and it, it's to me, it's it's so much better to invest your time in. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe also maybe um, that the Netflix shows are and it's hard to believe this, but maybe the Netflix shows are made for really uh, for more of an English speaking audience. And I know that a lot of the, you know, the big blockbusters are, are mostly, you know, special effects and action and stuff because it's it's they think they're thinking worldwide distribution. So the less, you know, the less English you, you have in it, the better. So maybe that's maybe that's the case. Although you know Netflix is worldwide, I would guess, and so why wouldn't that be the same way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and, a, it, it's. I, I would recommend watching it. It's it's really really good. I, I'm gonna take you up on that. I think that's. I think I, I I think I've heard it's great too. Yeah, if you do, let me know what you think because I, I I do think you would really enjoy it. And it's it's one of those that uh, you know there's Vincent D'Onofrio's in it who was in uh, I think it was. CSI or Law and Order, one of those shows, but he plays uh, Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, who is one of the major Marvel villains, and mm. he he actually revolutionized that character. I think, like he put his own spin on it, and to me, it's the best interpretation of it that's ever been done. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but it, it's it shows that acting can really drive you know a, a bigger budget, more mainstream type thing. Yeah, you know, it's, that's actually very true. It's, and people don't really understand about about acting if you don't really witness it or if you're not in in the business. But it's acting so much so much of the time is such a subtle thing, and there's um, actors bring so many things to a to a character and to a part that uh, you never imagine, and maybe they would even never imagine, but it's just but that are just part of their personality. And I know Joe did that with the prisoner. He just brought so many things. Subtle um, nuances that were really interesting and and made the project really interesting. So a good actor can definitely do that. Absolutely, you and know. and uh, one thing I wanted to ask you uh, in closing, or one of the last things, uh, we talked about last time how you grew up in theater with with acting. You know, when you were younger, mm-hmm. as, as your film career continues, would you be interested in maybe being in front of the camera? You know, I, w- I would, and I, and I, to be honest, acting is the most fun thing possible. But I'm such a crazy control freak that I don't know if I could. I don't have my crew yet where I can say, okay, just run the camera and do it and get get the shot for me, because um, 
you know, I tried that with my first film. I tried being in front of the camera, and I, I just didn't think it, 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 I, I pulled it off. I, you know, and then also, I don't know how Woody Allen did it or how a lot of actor-directors do it where they kind of direct themselves. I know Woody always says that he just – he doesn't really act. He just plays himself, so he knows what he's getting. But um, I don't know. With a nuanced performance – uh, I'm not sure how that, you know, how that works. And then again, I, you know, then again, if you think about M. Night or if you think about Quentin Tarantino, I mean, I hate, hate those guys in their films. They're never good. And they always, <laughs> it always seems like they're not, the, not as good as their other cast. And they're, there's something off about it. And it almost, it feels like it's a vanity thing. So maybe, maybe I'll do someone else's film, but not my own. But yeah, acting is, 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 is really fun. I was actually going to say you you could be like Quentin Tarantino and cast yourself in all your movies, even if it was some bit Yeah, large. I just I just saw Reservoir Dogs again, and I just thought, oh my god, I hate this guy in this movie. And then when you see I think about Pulp Fiction, I'm like, oh, you're not even good in that. It's just no. And then M Night is horrible in his movies. I know that I I was listening, I was talking about Howard Stern. I, li- I listened to an old episode recently where he was talking about the Village, and um, how. The production, the studio that he was at, I think it was Disney, did not want him to be in the film, and that was one of the reasons that he went to Warner Brothers. I mean, just they just said it's too big of a part. We don't want you in this whole film, and I can understand that because I hate M Night in in, in films. Whenever yeah. I see him in something, I'm like, oh, it's not good. No, I mean he could play. He's playing. You know, he's playing, and it just shows how how a real actor is a real actor. You know, and he was playing a silly doctor with the five lines, and it just it just stuck out like a sore thumb to me. So, you know, I, uh, yeah, maybe I won't do my own film. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, I have a friend of mine who has been taking acting classes. He lives in uh, Mississippi, and he was actually cast in a film that's going to be shooting in Mississippi uh, sometime in the next month or so. But he told me that, you know, he was one of those people that thought, act, you know, anybody can act. But after the first class he took, he's like, wow, this this isn't easy. Yeah, no, it's not. It's you know, it's really the the tough thing is really to um, subvert your own ego and put your own ego aside and, and become the character. And it's just such a hard thing. And it sounds easy. It's it really does. And you know, everyone thinks it's easy going into it. And I know I did. But it is just it's such a hard thing because we're so identified with who we are as people that um, to, to, to let that go completely is a very difficult thing. And it's also a very subconscious thing, too. So it's not just a, you know, I'm going to put on different clothes or I'm going to cut my hair. There's also a lot of subconscious things that are connected that are hard to let go of. And so, so uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Right. And last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, can you uh, would you like to plug your uh, social media for those that would like to follow you or find out the latest info on your films? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm basically at Steve Kahn everywhere. So and um, the prisoner and fear on Facebook. Perfect. Well, Steve, thank you very much for coming back on the show. It was great. Derek, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks again to Steve Kahn for coming back on the show and having that wonderful interview, Always Fun Talking Film. And don't forget to follow him on Facebook and Twitter and stay tuned for the release of his short film, Fear, Webwide, this Halloween. Next week, we will have another returning guest, and that will be the first ever guest from the Derek Diamond Experience, the Unicorn Wranglers. That's right, they will be back to promote their new EP, Atomics, which will be available next week on iTunes. 
And don't forget, you can find past episodes of this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or stream them directly from the website, ddepodcast.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience, and you can follow me on Twitter at dde underscore podcast. But that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to The Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Thursday.